0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Brown Book. We've just turned another page, and tonight, 10pm Melbourne time, 9pm Queensland time, I'm talking to a friend of mine, Nancy Harrison, who I went to school with all those years ago, and she's here to let you know who she is. So, Nancy, welcome aboard. Tell everybody who you are. I have a thank you for that welcome. That's pretty cool. Um, well, I'm Nancy Harrison. That's a start. What else is Nancy Harrison other than Nancy Harrison? I'm a mother. I'm an aunt. I'm a great aunt. I'm a niece.
1: I'm all those things that most people are. Yes. But I'm also a single mother. Yeah. And have been for a long time. That's, that's, that's
0: not a bad thing.
1: No, it's not. I've actually, um, discovered of late um, a certain freedom in being on my own completely. The girls are with their dads now. Um, I have two daughters. Yeah. Um, uh, one's nearly 35 and one's just turned 19. And, um, they're both living with their dads and I'm up here in Underberg, where we went to school. Um, because we went to school here, cause this is the place that I consider home, um, and, yeah, I'm forging ahead with a life that's so different and so probably what it always should have been. I should have stayed here. Why are you me? Oh, I did. I left. I left after school and went out to Charleville, out the back of Charleville, out to Cheapy. I worked in a pub as a governess, and I had five kids out there that I taught school of the air and um distance education and everything. And Anyway, I, I was a people pleaser, and I did... Terrible things like I got paid something like a hundred dollars a fortnight, and not only did I govern us with the kids, which was nine to three, five days a week. Yeah, we'd I if if the barmaid didn't turn up, I'd cover the bar. I'd um cook and clean and wash and iron. Um, and one day I went to town and got a (laughs) got a walk. And um, a town was four hours away in those days. It got down to two hours away when they bitumened the road. Yeah. Uh, and I got back from town at about four o'clock in the afternoon and we just killed a beast, which was pretty good because I cooked from about six o'clock that night until about three o'clock the next morning, making stir fries and things.
0: Well, I think you seem to be a gun for punishment, yes? Yes. It, just a tad. Just a, just a just a tiny, tiny, tiny touch,
1: but but, but that's been for a really, really, really long time now. that was just after we left
0: school, and I was doing that, yeah, i I see what you're saying, like you've spent a lifetime of doing that, and now it's all about you, and that's probably a good thing. um, I'll just fill you guys in a little bit, uh, Nancy and I went to high school together, and uh we had a... arow, big pardon? only went one day. Yeah, it was only one year, but um I think I think high school for both of us for various reasons and probably similar reasons, um, was an escape from what we were experiencing at home. Um and Which is why I went to because it was as far away as I could get. Yes. So yeah. it's like it's kind of like school for us was um More than people actually realise, school is, like it was was a break from our normal realities. And I wasn't aware, I actually thought at the time, that I was the only one going through what I was going through. And then I find out years later that Miss Nancy Harrison was going through the same stuff. Yeah, and you know, I think there were lots of people going through similar stuff. And we didn't know because we just didn't know. It wasn't talked about back then. Yeah, and and it was all behind closed doors. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to say anything. You know, like what goes on inside these four walls stays inside these four walls. Yeah. Now we we've had a discussion today, Nancy and I, pre-podcast, which was supposed to be a ten-minute. Hi, what happens in your podcast to an hour's discussion about <laughs> everything? And one of the things that we were discussing was um. My essentially religious beliefs, but it's not. A re- I wouldn't classify it as a religion because that brings in connotations that I don't particularly like. My belief system um, rotates around uh, everybody at their lowest level being made up of the basic elements of life: nitrogen, carbon, and whatever else there is. and that we are all the same but different and we're only different because of the layers and the masks that we apply or have been applied to us as we've grown and as we've aged. And Nancy's question was, what was your question? Oh, I don't remember. Um, was it that, like, you, you said
1: something about um, the glow, you've seen the glow in you yeah. um, and that you are the glow. Um. Now, we just touched on people in our lives that weren't that exciting. Yeah. Um, what would you call that? In like, if you have a glow, what's the opposite of
0: glow? Well, okay. If you go down to, uh, I'm not sure if it's in Buddhism. Um, who's the guys that do the yin and yin and yang stuff? That's Buddhism. That is Buddhism.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think. Oh, oh, it's Hindu. Oh, no, I think it's Buddhism.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so the yin and yang. yeah. Yeah, yin and yang. So uh, I don't know which is which, but uh, one of them's the white and one of them's the black. So yeah. you can't have the glow without the dark and you can't have the dark without the glue. So um, in essence, if you and I are the same person and and if we were to leave this plane we would never come back in the same format ever again that we are now because we wouldn't have the same carriage or suitcase as they call it. Um, we would have a new suitcase and we would be a new combination and a new vibration of source, um, product. And there's a possibility that, um, more of that source would be black than it would be white. And, there's the belief within the um, holistic health realm is you are what you feed. So if you feed the dark, it will grow. If you feed the light, it will grow. Um, okay. So you have both, but it depends on which you feed. Well, that's a bit fascinating. So, um, yeah, the, we, we, we all start off as source And then through our lives, in your case and in mine, we were abused as children um, by parents or loved ones or people we knew or or, or whoever was doing it. Um, And we applied coping mechanisms, masks, layers of behaviour, layers of expectations, all sorts of things on top of our glow to protect it. And the day I saw My Glow, I looked at it, and initially I was quite angry at my mother for trying to destroy something so beautiful. Mm. And it it was it was beyond words. It was so, like, drop to your knees, gorgeous, and it's like, oh, my God. She tried to destroy that. And initially I was quite angry. But then on the other hand, I was looking at it and I'm going, if that looks that good now, after 57 years of fear and pain and self-doubt and self-sabotage and a world of chaos, yeah, imagine what it would look like if I fed it and looked after it.
1: And if it had been nurtured all those years.
0: Yeah, and, and it looks stunning now and i can't imagine what it could possibly how more brilliant it could possibly look if it looks like that now if it was nurtured oh my god mm. but i am actually seen it i was i don't know what i think i was kind of like playing with reiki energy and meditation and pretty much not really knowing what I was doing, but just fiddling with balls of energy and going, Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know you could do that. Da-da-da-da-da. And the next thing I knew I looked down and it was like my torso opened in a in a breaking of the layer, so to speak. And 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 just like lava spilled out of the earth and it just opened and it was like the oh. the glow was there and I'm like wow, man, that's really cool. And you just look at it for a second and then it's gone. It's like, that was so cool. Is that me? <laughs> that must be me. I, it was inside me. That must be me. And when you see you can't unsee it, um, people who do Reiki and intuitive healing and holistic healing and a whole bunch of other, even probably sometimes masseuses, I don't know, but people can feel that glow, that energy, that, that, that stuff. Yeah. And I actually saw it. Oh, that's amazing. It's, it's hard to put words to that stuff, hey? Yeah, it is, it's, it's an indescribable thing. Yeah. And I mean, we're here to talk about you, so I've answered your question, so get on with your story, please. <laughs> the <laughs> Well, you did say before we left our conversation this afternoon, which wasn't being recorded, the what, what was my answer? And I already knew the answer and um, I've answered it now so we can get back to who Nancy Harrison is and why Nancy Harrison is how she is and what epiphanies Nancy's had in the last few years to get her out of her people-pleasing behaviours.
1: Well, you know, it's only been the last six months I've
0: actually, actually seen it and know... So what ended what that? What was the crucial point? What was the point that you just went? You know what? It's all about Nancy now. Well, I had been in an organisation mm. where
1: I had done a lot of a, a volunteer organisation where I had done a lot of volunteering and a lot of travelling. Yeah, and a lot of selling a product that was to promote um a really great worldwide
0: campaign. Yeah. Um. And no, guys, no, we're not mentioning names. So we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna roll with the whole scenario. Okay, so you're you're out there in the world, yeah. You're out there in the world helping and a sense organization essentially. Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty good. I mean, I, I
1: I've done some amazing things with them, and I've had the most amazing um experiences being part of that organization. Not a not a religious one, um, but I can talk about religious one. Um, but I've got, where
0: well, I've got to. Um... So basically, um, you were in this organization, you'd, you'd been around Australia essentially and you were selling their product and everything is going great. And then, and then someone decided that, um,
1: they'd be, I don't know what the word is. They bullied me right, and they harassed me. Um, there was one, there was there was a 17 day period where they rang me for an average of 17 minutes every day.
0: Like why? Oh, just to
1: ask me questions and do things. It was in the
0: lead up to... to uh, Events or something. Going to an event, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But 17 minutes every day, plus emails, plus
0: messages
1: on both the phone and Facebook. So constantly... And I was going through some medical stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: And so there was this constant, um, what are you doing? How are you doing? Like micromanaging. Is micromanaging. Yeah, micromanaging is
0: the bomb. I hate that. I mean, oh. oh, oh,
1: it was just the pits. Anyway, within this organisation, there's meant to be um, a structure that you can go to and to get help for this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, I spoke to several people that I thought would be able to help me and there wasn't anybody to help me because this person was quite well-known in the organisation, but I don't know how far up the ladder. Right. Oh. I think it looked like she was further than she actually was. Anyway, um, so when I couldn't get the help I needed, I went I went and did this big event, huge event it was, um, that I was going to as a participant, and I ended up having to do a heap of other stuff. Um, to, to sell this product, which I was not impressed with, but the person that was supposed to do it didn't
0: turn up. Right.
1: When we, when we got home, I had COVID. I called COVID because 14,000 people.
0: Yeah. us that's a, that's a high risk area. Yeah.
1: And, and the international people. So yeah, I came home with COVID. So sick as a dog. Um, and I had a whole heap of other stuff that I was doing for this organi- for, for this particular organisation. Yeah. Um, and I had to go to a meeting on a Tuesday night and a few times I was asked to go and make sure I was going to be at this meeting. I yeah, all right, okay, fine, fine, fine. Anyway, um, there was a big international award handed to the person that was bullying me.
0: That's a bit sucky. Yeah, and I didn't even get a thank you. Yeah, so that was that was all that was all about them feathering their nest and that. that I hate people with agendas like that. Yeah, when you've been in a scenario as a child and you've been a victim of that, and you've kind of like, you know, who these people are. You see, it's like you can see them from a mile away. Well, I can now. I couldn't then. I realised
1: then what she was and what she was doing to me and why she was doing it to me. Not because of anything to do with me, which I've also come to realize recently, yeah, it's a lot about
0: yeah climbing the ladder, yeah,
1: and being being seen as the superstar. I mean, this same person has has taken things that I've done, like writing and used as her own, and um other stories, like, yeah, other things that I've done and used it as her own. And I've just
0: sat there and gone, holy cow, yeah. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, um, what age group is this person, can I ask? Uh, older
1: than us.
0: Really? I, I would have thought that they'd be younger because they're trying to climb the ladder and stuff. That would be... Yeah, bad. no. I think, I think they thought me as a... Probably, yeah, a threat. Yeah. yeah. So, he's yeah. so, yeah. so, yeah. such a bully. <laughs> out, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, i <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I've lived my life always trying to do the right thing by people. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal.
0: You've always been in service of other Nancy, even in school. Like, I know. I, I had a, I had a bloke in this organisation
1: that told me that I was I was born to be in this
0: organisation. What? No, 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 no. You were born to be Nancy Harrison. And I would like to ask you, like, um, I know you've spent whatever, uh, many years... Um, people pleasing and this that and the other, and you've in the last six months you've reached this point where you're like, right, it's about Nancy now. Do you like m- my mother's actions towards me gave me um, hyper vigilance? Yes. O- overthinking, over caring Yes. And since I've become aware of or in touch with my femininity, those three things have have exploded my ability to create art. So in your, your world, um, what has your lifetime of selfless giving and people-pleasing and everything you've done, it has to have given you tools that are good as well as bad?
1: Oh, you should say that. I did read something the other day about um, generational trauma yeah and I have these also generational strengths. So yeah. Um now I I made a decision in about June this year so it's not even 6 months yet. Yeah. Oh, I suppose it's almost 6 months. Yeah. Um that my main focus going ahead is going to be painting, writing and singing. Yep. Um my mother used to always tell me that she played the piano and I always wanted to play the piano. Um And she always, she on a Saturday when the boys were out at soccer or cricket or whatever, she would um, play the piano and my sister and I would sing. Um, And sometimes it was just me singing. And she always told me I was off and I was out of tune and I couldn't sing and just sit in the corner and shut up. Yeah. Um, A few years ago in Canberra, I I joined a choir down there and we don't care what, what you sound like, just sing. Singing's good for you. And singing actually helped my mental health, but it also brought me into contact with the most amazing people. So I did things like, um, I, I've I've sung with people like Ray Martin, who crows like
0: a frog. <laughs> I didn't really, I don't know if I needed that information, but thank you. Carry on. If he can
1: dance, He dance oh, like that. Like a dream. I, I actually met him at the night of Thousand Eyes Ball at the new Parliament House. It was the best night I've had in ages. It was fantastic. Um, And I was sung with Judith Durham in Canberra as well. That would be cool.
0: Judith Durham would be awesome.
1: Well, that was really cool. Let me tell you the little Judith Durham story I've got. Okay. Um, but we had we had a dress rehearsal with her in the afternoon and then we had the show on the Friday night or whatever it was that day night. Um anyway, we at the dress rehearsal we had to come down through the auditorium at the Royal Theatre in Canberra. Oh. Um and the stairs are a bit weird. They've got like a long step, then a short step. Yeah. And so we had to run down these stairs and then hop up onto the stage. And the stage had blocks on it as well for us to stand on. Anyway, so I bolted down, and we're singing as we're coming down, and I went to go up on the stage, and I missed the step. Uh Uh-oh. And I landed smack on my face. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed, and here's Judith standing there and Guy Asshole. And (laughs) Judith comes over and goes, oh, my goodness, are you okay? And puts her hand out and helps me get up. And I was mortified. She just left me here on
0: my back. <laughs> Just let me die here. <laughs> oh, but she was and, and and the
1: performance that night when I got onto the stage she turned around and gave me a grin. And like I
0: will always remember that. Yeah, it's stuff it's stuff like that. These are the these are the things that um that that encouraged me to start this podcast. There's memories and, and pieces of information that are stored in your brain that will never be heard by the world unless you speak them. That's right. And record them. Living, living memories too. Like I have discovered with my kids
1: because I'm not with them. Yes. Um. There are things from their childhoods that we don't talk about because... We don't see each other to talk about them, um, and I know I'm getting really hazy. It's a bit like school too. For a long time, I didn't talk about school because there was no one to talk to school with about school. Yes. Yeah. Um. Since 2014, I've been uh, like I started coming back in 2014 because that's when I started getting invited to um to school reunions. Yeah. Uh, and so, and it was about 2014 when I decided I was moving back here, but I didn't know when. Yeah. Um. So yeah, um. So anyway, more singing, we want some more singing? I've just recently joined a thing called um Bundaberg Voice Collective because I live in Bundaberg. Yes, and um, okay. we we've done a few gigs this week. Um, on on Thursday night we had the Pageant of the Lights that was a a parade through town, and it was the most amazing thing because we did this roaming qu- chorus singing thing we sang christmas carols around the street oh people were moving it was the most amazing thing it was just so cool and there were so many people we knew uptown that night um so amazing that's
0: that's good you're like um that wouldn't be for me but um yeah
1: but you would have watched it and enjoyed it
0: we all we also did a thing recently with christine
1: arnoux um, welcoming the turtles back to the beach because the se- turtle season has just opened.
0: Oh yes, because the Mon Beach in Bundaberg is a loggerhead turtle hatching area, and um, turtle beach and and it's one of the you have to do that. and beautiful. And do you did you ever go and
1: do turtle research with um, Cole Olympus down on the beach when we were at school?
0: Uh, no, I remember going with the group of kids from the church to. The Turtle Beach, and that's the only time I went. Um, oh, because we used to be regularly down there helping him measure turtles
1: and um count how many eggs were in the ha- in the clutch. And um they actually pay people to do that now, um, <laughs> but we were doing it back in the eighties. So, you know, um I actually haven't been down to the Turtle Beach again. Like, I haven't been at night to see the turtles coming because it's all very commercial now. Yes. Uh, not quite the same as it used to be.
0: No, it was it, the, the good old days have gone.
1: Yeah, I know. It's very sad that, yeah. But the Milby Festival was amazing because Christine Arnoux sang her song, um, My Island Home. And we were rehearsing uh, before going down and singing to the crowds and we didn't know that she was in the room with us. Anyway, we're there warming up and, and then we sing sing the song and we're, we're looking out towards the ocean at the um, Nelson Park um uh, Surf's lifesavers building. Right. He got over the ocean, and I had never connected that song with the turtles coming home before. Ah, yes, 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 yes. And when I looked around the room, there were a whole stack of people crying as well because it was oh my god, we're to- we're we worth putting the turtles back, and this song is so perfect for that. <laughs> when we went to it we had our backs to the beach, so it wasn't quite as um significant for us, but um. Yeah, it was just amazing. And we had a whole bunch of um, Indigenous elders with us too, um, aunties that came and sang with us, and it was just beautiful. It was
0: just beautiful. When you get the energy, I mean, I'm I'm probably tone deaf, but when you get the energy of the music and the song in you and it just comes out and it doesn't make sense.
1: No, and that's the thing, and it's about... um,
0: You talk about vibrations quite a bit. It's about the vibration. Yeah. I mean, there's people that... They can't hear and and their life is all about vibrations. Like the lady I spoke to today, who's this morning she's lost her taste buds. So for her, eating is a visual thing now. So how can you turn something from taste and texture to a visual response? In music, it's the same thing. For a deaf person, it's all about... The vibration and the energy exchange and transfer, it's not about the actual sound of it, yeah, yeah. So, well,
1: you know, you keep coming back to the food thing.
0: Well, you're you are food lovers and you are also the artist. so we have to be doing music, but we're gonna do food and we're gonna do bloody um art as well because you know, are we? Are we? <laughs> Yes, because you're Nancy Harrison, and you are food lovers, and you are the artist, and you are the musician, and and you just told us all that. So we need to expand on all of your realms. Okay, okay. alright. <laughs>
1: okay. No, I don't cook that much now. I do still cook a bit, but I don't cook as much as I used to because I've I've got sick. I um I, I had a um in 2014 I got ideal. And I've had to have lots of surgery. And you has lots, sorry? I got ill and oh, I very, okay. surgery. Yes, yes, yeah, had lots of surgeries and things.
0: But we won't go into that because that's
1: just... Yeah, you know, but
0: yeah, we don't need too much. I mean, I don't do blood ill.
1: Yeah, but the sickness meant that there are lots of things I can't eat anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's not much fun. Um, anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. So, so I started cooking when I went out to Charleville because... I wasn't allowed to cook at home and it was all I ever wanted to do. I yeah. wanted to leave school in year 10 and become a chef. Yeah. But I wasn't allowed to. Parents. Hmm. So, but if I'd left school in year 10, it would have meant I would never have come to Bundaberg and then I wouldn't have met you and then, you know. But anyway, um, so when I came back from Charleville, I was a ho- I worked in K- at Kepnock at high school as a um as a teacher's assistant in a, in the home ec department.
0: Okay, yes, yes.
1: And so they sort of tucked me under the wing hmm. a bit. Anyway, they sent me off to uni and, yeah, all that's beside the point. I I became officially a teacher um, because even though I was made to repeat senior at, like, year 12, um, when it came to the end of the year, oh, what makes you think you can go to uni? We haven't got any money. Yeah, I don't know that. The weird thing was when I graduated six years later, six years, a marriage and a child later, um, dad gets up in front of a hundred people he didn't know and says, we didn't think Nancy had what it took to get through uni.
0: Oh, that was charming.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what else he said because I didn't hear anything after that. That's all I heard. I just went, yeah, no, that's typical. Never made a speech a- about me in my entire life, not at my m- wedding, not anywhere. end yeah, that, like that. And you go, yeah, well, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so I used to cook a lot, like, we went to lots of church things and I used to cook a lot for that. And um, I was making cakes and biscuits and stuff all the time and I cooked, we'd go out for meals. Um, My first husband and I used to go out for meals quite often and I'd come home and recreate them and get all excited because I could
0: recreate them. And
1: um, if MasterChef was a thing, back then I would have gone on MasterChef that's sort of, and really had a ball with it.
0: Yeah, well, I reckon, I reckon? you would have done well on that. Actually, well, I have met a few of the master chef people, and I
1: think yeah, I can cook better than you. But you know, anyway, um. So when I when I finished teaching in two thousand, mm. and I always put a a little bit of cooking into the because I taught kinder kids, uh, kindy year one, junior school, yeah, and I used to put elements of food into what we were doing like there'd be a unit one unit was on rice um as in like where it came from how it grows all the fascinating things about rice what you can do with rice but anyway interesting yeah um and how rice came to be so big in australia um but then there were other elements like we i'd take a, a, a carton of cream to school and sit there and shake it and ask the kids what i was making and um, the things they thought came out of a can of uh, out of a bottle of cream was amazing, really. Um, and then we'd have butter, and I'd make scones out of the buttermilk that was left. And so the kids learned that 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 you can do things with things, and and butter comes from cream, and cream comes from a cow, and you know,
0: just it's all educational. Anyway, so yes
1: i was a teacher, so, you know, but, but I used to do interesting things. And um, anyway, that's beside the point. Anyway, I met Mary, my second husband, who ended up being a narcissist, and he was awful. And he quashed all my creative stuff. Yeah. So before I met him, I was painting quite prolifically with watercolor. Yes. Um, I was selling paintings. I was, yeah, I was really confident and happy with that. I was singing in the choir. Uh, down there, the the ladies' colours choir, and I was loving that and having a great time with that. Um, I wasn't writing, <laughs> I wasn't writing at that stage. Um, but once I met him, all of that got quashed. Cr- he'd he'd laugh at me painting, like anything I painted, he laughed at and um, put me down about, and um, he'd take me out for dinner, not very often. Uh, he'd take me out for dinner and I'd come home and go, I want to make what I had for dinner last night. So I'd go get all the stuff and I'd make it. He goes, why Why do I even bother taking you out for dinner if you come home and cook it? I go, because if I go out and I come home and I can recreate it, that makes something special for us to have, you know, like I can I can do that. Um, but he
0: didn't understand that at all. Yes, and he didn't see it that way. And, um, yeah. Um and it made life really difficult. So when he finally when he pulled a
1: knife on me when I was nine, eight and a half months pregnant with our daughter. Right. I just went, yeah, no, nah, can't do this anymore. It took it took a little bit longer. I had I had Megan. I had Megan. Mm. Um gave first to her and stayed for about six months before I actually left. Um but because I couldn't leave pregnant, I couldn't do it. I just Psychologically, it's too hard.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's enough fragility um, in the situation without, you know, having to deliver a baby and, and the stress and concern about him coming in with a young.
1: Yeah, and no, really terrible things that could have, might have happened, yeah. And again, the four walls, don't, don't talk outside the four walls. And he had me in such a state. I had no friends. I had no, like all the friendships. I had some really good friendships from um when I went to uni and they got destroyed in the process of having him in my life and um even the girlfriends that I made uh leading into the pregnancy, all my work colleagues, none of them visited me. And it was just it was just terrible. It was just horrendous. Anyway, we left. And one of the things when you're living in a refuge, and I lived in a refuge for two years. Um one of the things living in a refuge, they say, um, don't go back to the patterns that you were in before. And well, I wouldn't have ever gone back to the same pattern, but they wouldn't let me go back to my high paying public service job. They said I needed to recreate myself. Yeah,
0: but the job is what? Oh, people. Yeah, I know. It would have kept me secure. I would have had a really good pension by now, a really good. Um, uh, some of these social workers and what they consider the right, right. thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? Oh, no. I, you know
1: what? I went to um, I don't know what it was called. Nice training program it was. Yeah, um, can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's basically um training to be something else. Um, it was suit for a small business management. Yeah. Um, and so I. S- I went and did that for, I think it was six months, um, and I set up a coffee cart. Yeah. And that was back when coffee carts, there weren't many of them around. In Canberra, there were three. Um, and I had a permanent location outside a pharmacy. Yeah. And so I'm pushing a little cart up there every day, set up, sell coffee, pack down and go home. The first day I sold five cups of coffee and
0: I thought I had it made. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, you built, you built quite a... Um... From what I saw on Facebook, you built quite a name for yourself through Food Lovers.
1: Well, I did. Well, well, the thing is, um, Coffee's On started it. Yeah. Um, and I was buying biscuits and things from from Food Lovers because I was allowed to make them at home. So I would buy, you know, Anzac biscuits and Melting Moments and stuff from them. And then about two years after I started doing that, they said, "Oh, we could do with an extra pair of hands at Christmas time." And I, went, oh, okay. So I went and worked for them <laughs> between between gigs with my, I had three coffee carts towards the end. Yeah. Um, and so one day a week or something, I'd go down and I'd make melting moments and ends at biscuits
0: so that I, sort of, I could buy them off them for my shop. Exactly. <laughs> a bit complicated, but it worked. Well, and, I mean, sometimes you have to do that in business, you get somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it was good because I got... Paid a little bit extra and
1: I had other people working for me and it meant that they had income that they might not have had if I didn't do something different. Gave me a bit of a different interest. Anyway, um I hurt my back. I lifted a coffee machine off the back of the car one day when I should have left it till the next day. And I stuffed my back. So um I couldn't walk for six months. Yeah. And uh, didn't matter how much physio I had, didn't matter how much hydrotherapy I had, didn't matter anything. I just I couldn't move. Anyway, so um my bosses at, at Food Lovers had decided that yeah, oh, we're gonna pack it in. If give us a deposit, you can you can buy the place. So um they stayed on for another twelve months. Yeah, and I go over after that. So I had associations with um food lovers for a whole twelve 12 years all up yeah um and the seven years that I actually owned it um they called me the Maggie of Canberra
0: which, <laughs> yes yeah
1: which was amazing like when I first took over I was a bit shy so so part of the thing coming out of my second marriage was that I couldn't look at people I couldn't talk to people I had no confidence um business was like oh my god what am I doing? um but the coffee cart was good because it got me talking to people again, it got me communicating
0: with people, I could look in people's eyes and relax a little relax into yourself and your skills. And...
1: Yeah, yeah. And I there were no expectations, but I was making enough money to get by and that's all that mattered, right? The coffee cart didn't matter as long as I paid the bills, it didn't matter. Even with food lovers I went in with that attitude. If I could still pay the bills, didn't matter. Didn't matter if we made a profit or not, as long as we paid the bills. That's all that had to be done. Right. Um, that took a lot of pressure off everything.
0: So, so right. you, you, you talked about the music in the choir and that was started quite early. Um, and how you, it kind of fell into Food Lovers in a sense, uh, with all the, um, actually, uh, it kind of fell into your lap, like it was given to you. It I, Your skill set was there. I'm not, not denying that. No, the skill set was only kind of there.
1: Like I thought, I was pretty skilled. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it if I didn't think I could. But oh my god, um, you've seen the photos on on Facebook and stuff of all the thousands and thousands of bottles of stuff I'd make in a day, oh, um, yeah. out of a tiny kitchen that was only like it was about. I'm looking actually, it was about as big as my lounge room is, which is about the size of a garage all up. Yeah, seventy one square meters. Yeah. Um, and so half of it was the kitchen and the storeroom and the rest was the shop. Yeah. And um and so I I cooked everything in the kitchen. People would come in during the day and say, Oh, do you go home and cook? go, okay. no, there's a kitchen there. Can't you smell it cooking? <laughs> <laughs> like, you go, know, why not I go home and do it when I'm here all the time? Like you know I'm here all the time. And like this time of the year, like it's the third of December today, um, I would have started December from the first to the twenty fourth. Yeah, no breaks. Total, totally working the whole time. Some days, a lot of days, were twenty hour days because I'd I'd have all the Christmas orders coming in, and I'd have to cook Christmas cakes and puddings and uh, gingerbread houses and um, all sorts of things, um, and and jams and pickles and chutneys and sauces and all of that stuff um, to put in Christmas hampers and like. If I didn't make money at Christmas, I didn't have enough money left over to last the rest of the year. So, and it had like it's making hay when the sun shines.
0: You work your arts off and then have a break. So, so you um you said um you're doing all that and then you got ill. Is that when the art came into it, or is that no, I, on? no, no,
1: art didn't come in until I came home. Right. I did try. I did try to paint and the kids gave me paint for Christmas, uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't even pick up the brush. It's like, it just, it was like, oh, I don't know. It was like, I just couldn't do
0: it anymore. Right. So, so you, you had the food lovers and then you got sick and then you had to give that away. Is that right?
1: Um, well, there's another element of bullying in
0: there too. Yeah. Um. Food Lovers was really,
1: really good for me. Um, the best thing I did was TEDx Canberra 2014. I was on the team. I was the food experience coordinator for that. Yeah, it was my official title. Um, and it was supposed to bring me all this kudos and all these extra customers, but it didn't. Um, But that didn't matter. I, the thing was that I was given a challenge to feed 700 people and I fed them morning tea, lunch and afternoon tea. Yeah. We didn't ask them their food preferences. We didn't ask them their, um, like, if they were gluten-free or dairy-free or anything. I just made food that anybody could eat. Yeah, yeah. Because by then, I'd had the first operation and um, I had to go gluten-free that year. And it wasn't until the next year that I actually cleared the entire kitchen of of wheat products and gluten. Yeah. Um, Because even the flour in the air was making me sick. Yeah. So a lot of my creativity, well, we'll talk about creativity because that's what most of this is. A lot of my crea- creativity in that time that I was at Food Lovers was going into what I was making and what I was doing and how I was doing it. So I was I was changing, constantly changing recipes. Like someone would come in and go, oh, geez, I really miss. And I'd go, what do you really miss? I really want, there was a, a little old lady who must have been <laughs> not eating gluten for about 20 years. Yeah, and said I really want a lemon sponge cake. I went really, I can do that for you. She went, well, yeah, well, yeah. I went, yeah. So I made this lemon sponge cake, and we sat there and ate it together because, like, it was it was a surprise for her. The next time she came in, and we sat there with these huge slabs of cake and just stuffed their mouths. She was just so excited and so happy. She died not long afterwards, but I feel like I gave her something special because. She hadn't had it for so long. So, um, yeah. So Food Lovers was really significant for me. Um, Candle was really significant for me because I fed 700 people from my little kitchen with a staff of, at that stage, only five, if you count my youngest daughter, um, a staff of five, and we we fed 700 people in 10 minutes their lunches.
0: That's, that's
1: something to be proud of right there. I, I was really proud and like I was just, I was over the moon. Um, we, we fed them picnics. Um, everything was sustainable. We won a sustainability award for that um, because everything was either recyclable, reusable or, um, what's the other thing, compostable. Yeah. Um, and so we won this big sustainability award for that, which was kinda of good. Didn't go to me, went to went to the organisation, but you know, um, I know that they got that because of me. Um, but that gave me all sorts of confidence. I went overseas based on some of the stuff I did at Food Lovers. I, I went to a chocolate um I had Valrhona chocolate a French chocolate um in my business that I used and they, they, they did a lot of experimental stuff with chocolate. And um, I had trophies. I had a lot of uh, people growing truffles yeah. um, in the area down there. They'd bring me their truffles and I'd sell them. And, well, uh, in, in Canberra? In Canberra, yeah, yeah. They were growing just outside of Canberra. Um, and I ended up with three trophies as my mates. Um, and they would come in and I would sniff them and pick the ones that I liked. And there was one particular guy, um, Wayne, his name was, and he used to laugh at me he go, why do you like those ones? I said, I don't know. Anyway, after a while, I went, is it possible that the ones I like are grown on hazelnut trees and the ones that I don't like are grown on oak trees? I said, can you, can you, can you give me, bring me separate containers and let me tell that way? And he goes, no, nah, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. And he never did. So I don't know. But my theory is that the ones that were grown on hazelnut trees, I liked more. Anyway, um, so I was doing things with truffle that, other people like when I when I smelled truffle I smelled I, I could taste that see this is where weird stuff comes in when I smelled truffle I could taste sweet things with the truffle infused in it Right. Wow. Um, and so I would make things truffle infused but they were sweet so I made things like chocolate eclairs and I made um nougars and I made um all this amazing burnt honey um creme anglaise that everybody raved about that I know went to Parliament House one night for a special celebration, um, along with some of my poached pears in in peach staps and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I know that there were chefs that came to the shop and they bought that or they tried that and they'd go back to their their um, establishments and use my developments in their restaurants, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, because you'd go and see it on the menus and you go, I know where you got that from. I know where you got that
0: from. Nothing I could do about it, but anyway. Anyway, so where's this going? I have no idea, Nancy. I'm just letting you talk about your food because it's a very exciting topic for you, obviously. Oh, it is, it is. Um, one of the trophies went to Italy
1: and um she comes from Italy her family comes from Italy. And she had family all over all over the place and she came in and she said, I really want to take my truffle with me. I want to give my family a taste of, of of our truffles. And I went, oh, you can't just take a truffle with you because they die. Like, they're very delicate little things,
0: truffle. Yeah.
1: Um, And they're 89% water or something, so they shrivel up really fast. Um, And they only have a six-week period of production. Yes. The essential. Yeah. Um, and you can't freeze them. Truffle oil is a myth. You can't just put it in. You can if you're going to use it straight away, but you can't put it in and keep it. it it's a myth. Um, it has to be chemically chemically made into, um, truffle oil. Yeah. Um. So she said, "Oh, I heard a rumor that you made this um this nougat," and I went, "Oh, yeah. You know, you know, nougat is usually white, fluffy." No, I'm not really nougat. Oh well, I'm sure some of the listeners will think will know that nougat is white white, fluffy normally. Except that this this friend of mine's was from Evil she said, no, no, I saw some of your nougat you made. It, it's like toffee, but it's soft and it's nice. And I mean, oh, I thought I'd done it all wrong and kept throwing it out. No, no, that's what we want. So I made her some um, truffled
0: macadamia nougat. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting combination. Well, it's because truffle likes fat. Yes, and, and macadamia is good for that. Yeah, and macadamia comes from Bundaberg, of course. Of course. The... why would you not use
1: it? Yeah, I I always bought macadamia from Bundy, so it's all good.
0: So I'm just wondering when when it is that you're coming to my house to cook for me. (laughs) I've been to Melbourne a few times, mate. We haven't quite matched up, have we? but, but, you know, like this, I I don't have a big kitchen, but you can use it. I can
1: do stuff, I
0: can. Yeah, I will will let you use my kitchen. All right, I will let you know when I'm down that way and I'll, I'll drop in. Very, very good. I wouldn't dare even consider cooking you anything, but you can use my A lot of people say that like, you know what? My favourite thing's mashed potato. I love mashed potato. Mashed potato and me get along so well and Yeah you know, well when
1: I got sick, it the kids would know if I got home from work and I was exhausted. Mashed potato
0: let me just Right. So let's let's discuss your arts now because like this is a bit this is a bit I love food, but I'm not at your level. Um, and I love art, and I'm not at your level. But I, I'm not at my, I, I'm not at your level in art. I, know. you're more creative than me. But like, um, I think it's the one area where we are probably most aligned is the art world. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um. Yeah. You you you're watercolor, aren't you? You do watercolor. Yeah, I do do watercolor. So. I started off with a um like back in the
1: uh, 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 I don't know nineties yeah <laughs> uh, no no it was the nineties, um I went to a, a Turner exhibition right what's that um John Turner is a watercolourist. Okay. um and there's this amazing that I've been to in Brighton in England um museum um that was created for his works and the whole place is loaded with with these watercolor paintings. Um, and he used lots of light and um, movement in his in his paintings and he was around in the 1800s or something. Anyway, I went to his, his blockbuster um, exhibition at the National Gallery of Australia.
0: Yeah.
1: And then he had um, painting classes mm. and I was teaching and so I went, oh yeah, I'll okay. go. I'll go to one of them. I'll just go to that. Um, and the teacher was really good. She gave us the, um techniques and I said, okay, now here's, here's some stuff. Go out and find something to paint. Just paint what you see.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, oh, no one's ever told me to do that before. We always had to paint something. It had to be realistic. It had to look
0: like a photo. Yeah, yeah. There was no like when we were kids. it was like no free expression. Don't, don't, eat, no. don't even like, consider being free or express. And, <laughs> and and it had to be perfect. To, it was only oh, oh. a little bit. <laughs> a little bit um, I don't know, do you remember that art teacher at school? Oh, which, uh, which, I can only remember the female French. I I just have vague memories of the music teacher who was scary and I didn't do music and even then she was scary and a female (laughs) French teacher and then the male French teacher that accused us of putting the fans on in year eight and we got him the sack and all those sorts of good stuff. But um, art teacher, I don't know, it was a bloke, I think. Like me, like, and I think he taught 40. I think he was a hoodie coach or something as well. Yeah, he was two things, and it was surprising that he was into art because he was kind of like had a right yeah, fit. Yeah, he was sort of a jock head. That was, he was actually really he, he knew his stuff. I didn't like anything I did. Well, I didn't do. I was con. I was a C class student, and I was not considered brainy, cool enough to do anything. So art uh, was a miss. Home economics was just a disaster. We must been in home ec together. Oh, I, 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 I got three stitches in my little finger on my left hand for a knife because <laughs> they let me go and cut my toffee out at, in lunch and left me in the bloody home kitchen by myself and I cut myself and I'm running around going oh my god it hurts spreading blood through the entire place no 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 um no no, it must have taken them forever to clean that stuff off the walls and everything oh no but no I mean I was I was not allowed to express and, and I've already done um my art started as acrylic pouring and it's just gone nuts with the ideas. Like you you and food is me and art, really. Yeah, I,
1: I think because food was has always been a big thing for me and like I used to get into trouble from people because like my in laws used to say, We've only just finished breakfast and you're already thinking about lunch, and okay. Yeah, because I have to think about it so that like I make something amazing.
0: Like, <laughs> just what I have to do. It, it's um, a process. Do you not understand? Yeah. Oh.
1: yeah, and and for me,
0: for me, food is creative and artistic, and because the way you plate it, the way you present it, the way you yes, yes, um, yes, I agree one hundred percent on that. It's all about how it looks on the plate and, um. You know, like down to the last little leaf that you put on there, and it's like, that took me hours, that leaf. (laughs) You will appreciate the fact that it took me an hour to put that on that bloody plate. But, yeah, but I know what you mean. Like, you know, you go through this process and you want it, and you know what you want it to look like, and you get it on the plate, and it's just, and it's all there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, the painting. Um, I came home, I, when I came home in, I don't know, I, I always think it's 2019, but apparently it wasn't. But anyway, when I got back to Bundy, um, there was some, there was a lady called Colleen Hellmore who was offering just one, one Saturday, half a day out at North Progress Hall. Mm-hmm. And I went to about four of her sessions and, um, and she said, oh, I'll do a group on Monday after... Like, after being here for about four years, she said, oh, we do a group on Monday. How about you come and do the Monday painting? I went, oh, oh do you think I'm good enough? And she laughed at me. And um, anyway, we, I, I turned up at this Monday group and I went, oh, my God, they're all so good and they all know each other. And um, and Colleen's amazing. I mean, she went to some, I don't know what, the Fabriani or something in Italy. She went, she was selected out of one of 35 Australian artists, She got chosen to go to Italy earlier this year. And um, she said to me one day on on the Monday, she said, oh, do you think I should go? I went, are you kidding me? (laughs) 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 How do I go get on a plane and go and see your painting in this exhibition in Italy? Anyway, she said, I'm so glad I went. Uh, She had all these... um, what do you call them, uh, workshops and stuff the whole time she was over there. And so the stuff that she learned over there, she's brought back for us. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she's also tied up with food, so it's kind of interesting. But, um, um, she's just had, oh, I don't know what the thing's called. She had a painting selected for an Australian, um, regional, I not remember what it was called. Yeah. Anyway, she didn't win that. But that's okay. Um, the one that did win was indigenous, so that's pretty cool. But um, no. So Colleen's teaching me lots of things, and like my my style has changed from um outback Australian landscapes to more uh, more abstract things and more colourful things are working for me better. And yes, I like
0: abstract. Not as abstract as you. No. Abstracts, abstracts, um. Like, I like Chinese watercolour because the background is just basically a big puddle and the the paint runs so awesomely. And then they've got this big smudgy mess at the back and then they just do these really clean lines and draw a little Asian dude standing on the hill. I reckon that's pretty cool.
1: I wish the process was that easy because it doesn't always go like that.
0: Well, well, I mean... I only see these on YouTube. I go, I watch YouTube um, when I saw acrylic pouring and I thought, well, I can do that because there are rules to it, but they're not actually rules because the paint decides where it goes and what it does. And it's like, well, I can do that and that'll be okay because I I won't be breaking any rules of watercolour and I won't be breaking this rule and I won't be breaking that. I can just do it. And that's what I did. But see, that's the beauty
1: of watercolour. The, the paper and the, and, the, and the paint, the pigment, behaves together the way they do and you end up with what you end up with. Sometimes I call it magic because you, you put something on paper and you walk away and you come back and it's done something you don't expect it to do. Yeah. Um, and that's how John Turner comes into this too because he used to do all sorts of things. Um, he used to use the end of his paintbrush to scrape the paper to make it a different texture. And he used to do things, used to paint with his fingernail or he'd paint with um, a hair out of his head or he'd um, pick up a spoon and scrape that across the pa- Nobody ever did that before. Yeah, so um,
0: yeah. Well, openly admitted that they did stuff like that. So that's where um, and broke the rules. That's what I like, it, but that's what I call not true artists because I've seen photographers and I've seen artists do it and they create a painting which is absolutely stunning, absolutely yep. stunning. And it's their first one and they've worked out how to make that work and they've done it and it's absolutely amazing. And then they do 500 pretty much in the same style and you're like, do you grow in your art? Do something different, like learn something new. Yeah. Well, the thing is that you need the rules then to do this something new. Well, I mean, I've I've experimented with um, tie-dye inks and coffee as a stain for wood, and then you use a metal brush in a drill and smush the wood up so that the uh, Ink and the coffee gets stuck in the grain and then you sand it down and it looks like, it looks like marble wood and it's amazing. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. And it's like, it's, I don't know if there's a rule that says that's what you do, but it's fun. <laughs> and that's the thing, as long as it's fun. I recently bought a sander. I um, I have
1: great visions of sanding my house, but I need to do some furniture first, I've decided. Oh, Yes.
0: I went um, to, to an op shop, shop and bought this chair. It's a little bit rickety. But it's a pine chair at grain and it is amazing. And I'm gonna tack it with one of these metal brushes soon and and it just gets into the grain and lifts it more so any stain you put on there, like it it really drags it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether you whitewash it or you ink it or you coffee stain it or you combine all them together and throw it all on at once. Do you do upholstery and stuff like that too. Um like re re re-fabricing chairs and things like that. No, I've experimented I've experimented with leather and I wanna do leather bound book and that myself and I will um I would really like to quit work and just do art because it's amazing. But um my mother um my mother killed any relationship me and sewing machines will ever have. I can't how, how, knit. That, how, I, tell me that story. Oh, look, she used, to, I, she, had a, she used to sew everything, right? And she would crochet and she would knit. And she tried to teach us girls all three of the above, right? And and even in a home ec class, I think the only thing that ever got any praise was the bloody shirt that I made in year eight or something, but anyway, um, because of her intolerance, I suppose is the word, or um, indifference perhaps? No, no, it wasn't indifference, no indifference, no, no. It was micromanaging aggression, to be perfectly blunt. But, um, I can see that, yeah. Yes, yes. So she's standing, you know, an inch from your ear screaming at you because you're not crocheting correctly. <laughs> oh, dear. oh dear. and And you're not knitting properly. And then... more all of it like that. You've got to... And then you get a smack on the hand and I could never knit because... No, well, she, she was quite good at screaming and, and right near ear and scaring the living crap out of people. And I would sit at the sewing machine, I swear to God, I would sit at the sewing machine and there's a process that you have to you got the bobbin and then the threading and the needle and you do all this crap and then you test it and then you and off you go. And I swear to God, because this woman was screaming at me and being a complete micromanaging aggressor, the bobbin got so overwhelmed and fragile and terrified it would jump out of the sewing machine and never go the fuck back in. Wow. And then and then I would go to school and in home I would go near the sewing machine and the bobbin would jump out and run away and it would never go back and they'd be like the machine doesn't work miss and I'm like, I'm not going near the sewing machines because the bobbins will come out it <laughs> kind of Fuck the bobbins out, did I, I swear to God, those bobbins and me will never get along. I look at them in the shops and go, oh, God, don't go near them. i will start jumping out of the drawers. Do you know, I hated sewing at school. I hated it. Oh. I hated it with a vengeance because I
1: wasn't good at it. Um, I made my my uh, formal, you know how we had to go to that dinner? Oh, yes, yes. I, I, made, my, I made my dress for that.
0: Well, no, I couldn't sew. I didn't like sewing. No, well, I didn't like sewing anyway. I hated it. I could probably do it now and do it with leather and all that sort of thing. But I remember she said to me something about um, keeping a man and um, because I was useless, I wouldn't be able to get a job that earned enough money so that I could buy underwear so I'd better learn how to make them. Oh, jeez. And he's like, tell that to the bobbin man. Oh, <laughs> the bloody machines! Yeah, yeah, and you're like That's an awful thing to say to your daughter, though, isn't it? And it's like, oh, she, she, had, she, had, there was just tame stuff, but it was like, um, I was a nine year old or something, and um, I'm standing in the bathtub, dodging a two foot long piece of um, curtain dowel that was the size of a broom handle. And she's swinging at your legs and everywhere else she can reach. And you're trying to crawl backwards up the wall on the other side of the bathtub, crying. Yeah. And she's going, stop crying. And then she'd go, um, why didn't you tell me the truth? I did tell you the truth. Well, if you told the truth in the first place, you wouldn't get hit. And a nine-year-old is sitting there trying to escape being hit, thinking... I told what? you the truth in the first place, you idiot.
1: Can't, you can't win no matter how you look at it.
0: I know, and you're like... i in my house too, you know. It's, it's just like you're just standing there going... <laughs> <laughs> what do you actually want me to say from this point on? Because, because
1: nothing I say is going to be right.
0: Yeah, nothing is going to be a, the correct answer. Just hurry up and finish whacking me, will you? Yeah, I mean that um, then I can get back to real life. Yeah, is... then I can go and relax and rest and sleep and go to bed. And... Yeah. I feel like you're present. Yeah. I mean I I I have a high intelligence level, you have a high intelligence level and I know that because of what you've done with food and other things. But like, um it's only developed since uh later in, in life, but I was only a C-class student, and that's because I never got any bloody sleep. I was getting whacked the shit out of and then go to bed. And you're, like, licking your wounds for three hours just so you can get to sleep, and then you've got to get up in the morning and get on a bus that you don't want to be on. But you want to be on because you don't want to be home. And you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. ah. And like, it was the all world as well, right? Well, like,
1: you, know, you know, we owned a... Well, Mum and Dad owned a business. Yeah. And so... We, we will we'll tell you this story. Uh, we used to get, like, we lived about, I don't know how far it is. It's about half an hour these days out of town.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And we'd catch the bus into town to go to school. Yeah. So we left, we left there at about oh, 8 o'clock. Yeah. We had to be ready by half past 7, but we'd be at the shop at 6. Yeah. And so we'd be working in the shop in the morning, get on the bus, go yeah. to school, do the school stuff, go home, be home by half past 4, at the shop, work right. the shop till six, and then go home. We had to be in bed with the lights out by half past eight. I don't know how I ever, ever, ever got through school.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, getting a C. Like I was the brainiest one of the three of them in school. Yeah, the only one that went to uni, like oh, they, the other two went later. Um, like
1: they both got uh, bachelor degrees now, but um, they didn't do that until.
0: My sister was nearly in her fifties, Yeah, um, but yeah, my
1: brother, my
0: brother went to theological college and <laughs> my brother was, um, ag school and, and, I mean, it did him, served him well because of what he's done with his life. And that's, that's no, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. but that's what he was, he wasn't an academic. So, um, ag school was good for him. And, um, my sister was bloody worse than me at school. Yeah, see, I, I, my sister was a duck. She was always brilliant. She, she
1: was school captain. She was ducks at the school. She was an athlete. She was a swimmer. Um, she, she was a people pleaser too. Yeah. But we
0: still is. What about Peter Scott and his bloody beetroot sandwiches? <laughs> I don't remember that. It was like it was like if you want to be a brainiac like Peter Scott, you gotta eat your beetroot sandwiches every goddamn day he had beetroot sandwiches.
1: Maybe it was him that I decided. I I really I, when I could eat it, I can't eat it now. I used to love peanut uh, uh, beetroot and cheese sandwiches. Yeah, you know, I had to be I had to be able to eat it as soon as I made it because I didn't like the soggy. So beetroot and cheese sandwiches were a thing for me for a long time.
0: Yeah, so basically, um, I don't know. What do with the oxidants in it? I don't know, but it was just like, he never ate anything else. Yeah. But. I I did I mean, I think we've covered you well. we've give, given you a surface coating. Um, a surface coating. Yeah, a surface coating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we've looked into a lot of your stuff and we have, we have touched on the fact that we were both abused as kids and we don't need to go into that. Um, it'll come up in later chats. As long as you're prepared to come back for another chat. Oh,
1: you want me to come back for another chat?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody's invited back. Um, we've already been going for an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think we might end it for today. I mean we could probably talk for another two hours, but um record. Yeah, I probably um one need to charge my phone and two I probably need to visit the little room down the end of the corridor. Well, my dog is sighing and huffing like a teenager. <laughs> well you best take dogs to bed. My cat is somewhere he he's, he's He's a bit upset because what, what's in his dinner bowl is not appropriate for a... Tonight. Well, it might have been all right last night, but not tonight. No, well, for one such as him, it's completely inadequate. <laughs> uh, and when his lord squeals, his lord squeals. And then I just go, well, look, you know, he's got this process and it's, it's probably not a... It's a, probably a little bit too much information, but... There is a litter tray in in the bathroom. Yeah, and um, usually over night time, um, he requires it for a number two. See, and and he doesn't like doing that in a dirty litter tray. And he doesn't like really like doing it in the litter tray. But you let him outside for three hours, <laughs> and he won't use the outside dirt because that's dirty. And then he'll come in and he'll complain and carry on. I have to go back outside because I have to poo. And and you won't let me go outside. And I'm like, just go and use the goddamn and I'll flush it down the toilet, please. Well,
1: when Winston's like that. I think he's gone out and gone to the loo and he's gone out chasing toads or something. Comes back in. And you not mate? And, like, he shows that he is. And okay, okay, cool. Go and look up and everything. He bloody wakes me up half an hour later and I think, oh, jeez.
0: I know, right? Like, he hasn't come in squealing at me yet. But anyway, I'll let you go, Nancy. I'm going to go. And um, oh, I'm sorry we talked so long. Why are you sorry? Yeah, but that's the whole point of the podcast. This is about people freely expressing everything inside themselves. Mm. And there's information that that you don't have to tell anybody, and you never will. But there's a lot of stuff that you spoke about, about um, even truffles and macadamia and nougat, and I didn't know nougat was white. Uh, I didn't yeah. no, you? No, Well, it's not. It's usually yellow. It's like the one I made for
1: my friend to take to her family. was. It's like a honey colour because it's made with honey and egg white. Well...
0: I'm not really a nougat connoisseur, actually. Oh,
1: go, like you are in town
0: or somewhere, somewhere fancy.
1: Go and have a look at some nougat, and it's white and fluffy usually. Um, And I, I
0: kept trying, that's why I kept trying it out, because I thought I was doing something wrong. Well, white and fluffy white. just means meringues and pavlova to me, really. White and fluffy? Well, that's what it was supposed to look like, meringue. Okay. It should not have hard. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's all right, it was just... I didn't know. But apparently Italian nougat is
0: is ours
1: making it, so on a basket.
0: All right, Mum. Now that we're all old and can't eat any of this shit, what do we do? Uh, we eat what we supposed to eat most of the time. Oh, potatoes, mashed potatoes. Mashed potato. mashed potatoes. Mashed potato. huh? I did an allergy test and I was working away in the mines in WA at the time and I had my allergy test results, right? And it, it gives you a list of the stuff that, that you should consume and a, and a list of, like, even plants and things that you, you're a bit intolerant to and that. And um, I took the list and I showed the chefs at the kitchen because you're, you're allowed to do that because um you can get food specifically made for yourself if you have problems. Yeah. And, um, so I took the list to them and they're flicking through it and they went, what, what can you actually eat? And I went, carrots.
1: 57,000 ways to do carrot. Carrots. I can At one stage, that's all I could eat too. especially like carrots.
0: Yeah. Jeez. But um, We should talk about allergies one day too. Yes, this is the thing. This is, this is ongoing, um potential for new chats because if we keep going like this we could talk for five hours but it's nice to have a break Well, oh, oh, we we could we could discuss so many aspects of um art and how to sell art how to get your allergy testing done and i mean i discuss allergy testing last weekend with a bunch of lesbians at a coffee meet and um I did that two coffee meets in a row and I don't think they like people talking about stuff that's important to people of our age group.
1: No. It's funny how people don't get it.
0: It's not about picking on them. There's I mean there was one lady there um and she said that she had removed sugar from her diet for very recently, and it's quite obvious to me that she's full of inflammation. She's not overweight or anything. She's inflamed, and she needs to find out, apart from sugar, if there's anything else that's inflaming her and reacting with the sugar to create so much inflammation. But if you say that, it's offensive to them because you're basically saying they're fat, and you're not.
1: No, you're saying... You need to discover. Sounds like my mother.
0: Yeah. Why? Because my mother, my mother was.
1: Oh, I don't know. She was size twenty-eight or something most of her life. Weighed an absolute ton. I don't know exactly what she weighed, but it was too much.
0: Yeah, but I mean, if you if you're gluten intolerant, if that's what you your your whole illness is based upon, then she probably was as well, because it's probably a hereditary thing.
1: I don't know, but my grandfather died of a st- a stomach cancer, in inverted commas, in 1950-something. Yeah. In the early 50s.
0: And I often wonder whether that's where it all came from.
1: But nobody
0: talks about it. Well, like, I, I did the testing, and um, I was expecting certain results. And... Um, I know that I have an intolerance to roses. I've got a rose outside, and it's not very highly perfumed. But any highly perfumed rose, or rose perfume, or rose water, or any of those, any of those, I hate that. Yeah, and and I love roses, but as long as they don't stinky ones. But anyway, um, my nose goes nuts, so I know I'm not tolerant to roses right so I knew that right and that was on the list so that's like that's affirmed one of the things that I knew I, I wasn't into and the other one was um pork which I knew I wasn't into so and it's and I knew I wasn't into beer and um so I had three confirmations of what I already knew I was intolerant to and none of these things are going to make me severely ill and kill me and anaphylactic or anything like that but it's, you don't like with the consequence. Yeah, and you, it's going to create inflammation of some kind in some area. And um, like my list, I can recite it almost. Um, some of the ones that are on my list, I've created myself because I've overeaten a product. Like um, vanilla is one of the ones that I'm intolerant to. Because vanilla ice cream, vanilla milkshakes, vanilla, 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 vanilla everything I got in yoga it didn't matter, it was vanilla, it was all vanilla. So I created my own intolerance to vanilla. And then, But then there's products that I don't really like to eat because I don't like their taste or there's something about them I dislike. Uh. Um, chia seeds, I'm 100% intolerant to chia seeds, I've had them twice, I hate them. Well, my gut mucks up with cheese, so um, it's interesting about the pork. Yes, what happens with pork with you? Um, inflammation, or 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 um, um, a lot of it, A lot of it is, is gut issues, diarrhea, constipation, and, um, inflammation, and and when you combine the inflammation and in your kidneys trying to process things and liver's trying to process things and. It's the initial inflammation. It could be in your stomach or it could be in your intestines or it could be in your bowel. Wherever the in, wherever the inflammation goes to, it creates issues with everything around it and everything on the way to it. And yeah. it
1: I, I I say I'm allergic to pork now. I can't
0: eat it at all because
1: of what it does to me. And I, I go great. My, my face goes grey. My daughter looked at me one day and said, have you eaten pork today? And I went, I don't think so. And then we went back and we worked out, yes, I had actually eaten
0: something by accident. Yes, yes. And 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 like my intolerance, like pork is down to the, the, the ones that they tell you that they put on the list are over 85% intolerant. So pork is 86 because I, when I, When I gave up the ciggies, I gave up pork as well because there was issues with my heart and cholesterol, and pork fat, which is what I love, is um is what affects your cholesterol. So if there's pork crackling, I'm sorry, I'm having it, but (coughs) but um I've given up pork. I used to eat pork like that was the only meat that I would eat. So I pretty much brought it on upon myself anyway. But I, I was
1: really crook when I was twenty in my twenties, mm. and um they couldn't work out what it was. And I reckon because it was around Christmas when they eventually took my appendix out, I reckon it was because I was having ham and and roast pork at mum's house.
0: Yeah, yeah, more than likely. And the, and once you have the list, like um I've got chia seeds, vanilla, rose pork, um oyster sauce, oyster mushrooms, pumpkin seeds, um. What else? I can see it's a bit sad. Um, barley, rye, lager, a sea, a sea trout, which I think is salmon, which I ate like there was no, nothing else in the world. Um, and I love salmon and that sucks. Um, Barley was a suck. Vanilla was a suck. Oyster sauce and oyster mushrooms were like whatever. Cheer seeds, whatever. But you're not celiac though, even though... My, um... rye, rye and barley was more for the beer than anything else. Oh, right. Interesting. Because I don't like rye bread. I won't eat rye bread. I like barley as a, a rice replacement, but I didn't eat it. I mean, the old girl used to, my mother used to uh, put barley in the vegetable soup that she made. It was absolutely delicious, and I love it. And I did squat but... barley out with rice for a while. And it was nice, and I, I was like, mm, that sucks. Can not even barley? <laughs> yeah, we did want texture when you do it with rice, yeah. and And then there was other things. The additives are the ones that are the most concerned because um, there's the vegetable gum, which is in your chewies, which I used to have all the time. It's in peanut M&M's, which is another... And the peanuts was on my list as well. And there was... In the chocolate, in the peanut M and M's, there was the, the, the bloody bullshit that I couldn't have because there was shellac, which is one of the thickeners in soups and chocolates and all sorts of bits. They, well, they cover the chocolate in it to keep it um, not going on, not blooming. Yeah, so and then and then um chlorine was one. That was awesome. Every goddamn tap's got chlorine in it. Yeah, so um, I think that. The chlorine is potentially, the origin of that is the fact that I grew up on tank water and then I went to the city when I was 20 and started drinking normal tap waters full of chlorine and it probably, so I've got a filter on my shower here and when I want to make a coffee because the main tap water is connected to the caravan parks water I can't fiddle with the hose there and put a filter on it unless I organise it with them and that's awkward because of my hours of work I have to fill up my kettle from the uh, shower because it's not got chlorine in it oh right oh that'll be a pain in the bum Mm. it's not really you fill up the kettle you boil it a few days and you're quiet now yeah, and then, I, I boil all my water because I, I, I prefer boiled water because water water's weird. One day it's all right, the next day it's not. Yeah, I think a lot of town water's like that. My um, I buy bottled water, I, I buy alkaline water because it's the only one that tastes like tank water to me. Yeah, yeah. So, but we, we've dragged it out to about an hour and a half now. I'm <laughs> running for that last bit. Oh, look, I'll I'll take I'll take the blame. It's fine. It was all me. It's all me. I don't mind t- chatting to you. And we'll do it again, and we'll still talk for an hour and a half because we'll find something to yak about. Yeah, that they got there's there's always something. There's always something, and you know even if it's um the the conversation we didn't record this afternoon talking about how um what we say here could affect somebody in 50 years, 100 years, you know, down the track. Mm-hmm. And and that's an exciting thing. It is an exciting thing and it's special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And anyway, we'll leave it on that note for now and I'll think of something else to chat about next time. Okay. Well We'll have a thing next time, will we? And we'll just stay up with that because it's a, it was a bit tricky jumping around a bit. Uh, uh, tangents are fine. Because the information is all in your head, it's all your stuff. Yeah, but it's all jumbled up and all over the place. Well that'll keep the listeners busy. Oh okay. And, and and it's and I don't want it scripted. I just want it but to flow a little overview. Let's stick to
1: uh, art. Let's talk about art today. Let's talk about art
0: today. All right, we'll do art next, shall we? Oh yeah, Let's do a theme and then, and then it'll be easy and we w- we'll try and stick to the theme. All right, we'll do art theme next time, Nancy Harrison. All right. Okay. Have a good night. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm leaving the building. See you, Nancy. Okay, bye. <laughs> See ya. Thank you to Nancy for a lovely chat, hour and a half, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I certainly did. Nancy's a character. And, um, very, very good friend. And yes, I did drag her around in circles, but, um, don't want somebody getting stuck on one, one topic for too long. Um, thank you, Nancy. Thank you guys for listening. Um, please follow me. Please subscribe. Please share, um, the podcast and join me. Come and have a chat and we'll talk about nougat. Or you talk about truffles, or you talk about art, or you talk about minds. your mind, my mind, everybody's mind. Catch you next time.